Hey loves, I hope you're having a fabulous day wherever you are in the world. Welcome or welcome back to a short erotic sex story written and told by Lala's Bedtime Tales. I'm dropping in to have a quick chat with you before jumping into part two of A Honeymoon for Singles. Be sure to stay tuned because the story gets a whole lot steamier this summer. If you haven't already, please show me your favorite erotic storytelling podcaster and erotica writer some love by giving the podcast a five-star rating and review. It's crucial that you review the podcast because as an erotic writer and storyteller, I am always interested in feedback and knowing your thoughts on the stories I share with you all. Also, it allows other erotica lovers and smut sluts like me and you to find Lala's Bedtime Tales erotic stories wherever they enjoy listening to podcasts. Do you want to help support this amazing erotic storytelling podcast? Do you love, love Lala's Bedtime Tales, but want more content, especially exclusive content? Then join Lala's Bedtime Tales exclusive Patreon community. Join the Baby Girl exclusive access tier for as low as $5 a month and receive a ton of exclusive content like episode soundtracks and playlists, early access and ad-free podcast episodes, behind the scenes of my writing process, a shout out on the podcast, voting rights on what stories deserve a continuation, video tellings of your favorite stories, or a first look at my new work. And that's just a few of the perks I'm offering. There are so many more. I have varying tiers that offer something for all of my favorite people. So, if you want more of Lala, you enjoy smutty erotic content and all things sexy, then check out the show notes to join my Patreon. If you want to get to know more of Lala and learn more about all things love and sex, then be sure to subscribe, watch, like and talk to me in the comments of the videos on my YouTube channel. You can find the link in the episode show notes. On my YouTube channel, I provide spicy book reviews and recommendations, love and sex advice, and sex education from industry experts, and what wild and crazy things that are happening in the world that could be impacting your love and sex life. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you'll be alerted whenever there's a new sexy audio erotic tale for your listening pleasure. If you're a Spotify listener, be sure to take the poll at the end of this episode or let me know your thoughts about any of my stories on Spotify interactions. While I like to get nasty as much as the next person, please keep them PG-13 so that I can share them with the world. Keep listening because the ending of this story is downright filthy and will leave you hard or dripping wet. Enjoy besties. It's time for Lala's Bedtime Tales. Grab your wine, dim the lights, and get ready to listen to an oh-so-sexy bedtime story. I'm Lala, and I want to tell you an erotic story guaranteed to turn you on and get you hot and bothered. So, listen up. Attention, attention. I'm dropping in with a spoiler alert. This is the second part of a two-part story. So... If you haven't listened to part one of A Honeymoon for Singles, then hit the pause button and go listen to the first part. I highly, highly encourage you to do so, or else you will be super fucking confused. You've been warned. Hey girl, hey. Part one of A Honeymoon for Singles ended on a cliffhanger of Ari coming back from the ultimate getaway. Pregnant. 
The wildest part of the situation is that she doesn't know if her kid's father is her lying, cheating, sleazy ex-fiance or the hottie she met in Bali that has quickly become her dream man. Keep listening to find out who is the father of her child and how will this accidental pregnancy shake up her world. Whoever said pregnancy is a beautiful and magnificent experience is a bald-faced liar. I have spent the first three months of my pregnancy puking out my guts. Sadly, that hasn't even been my worst pregnancy symptom. My first trimester had been a complete and utter tragedy. I used to be energetic and unable to fall asleep without a strict sleep hygiene routine. Now, I find myself dozing off at the drop of a hat, whenever and wherever. The worst place I've fallen asleep in has been in a meeting with some of the newest board members of my job. Yes, that's right. How humiliating. I had fallen asleep on the shoulder of some wealthy asshole. To make matters worse, I drooled on the expensive fabric of the custom-made suit of one of the men who held the company's fate in his hands. Also, I thought my PMS was bad? Shit! These pregnancy mood swings were no fucking joke. Yesterday, I found myself crying to the mailman, overwhelmed with gratitude for him for filling the apartment mailboxes with junk mail. Then, I swear, my unborn child already harbors a personal vendetta against me because my favorite comfort foods taste like dog shit covered in rotten eggs garnished with spoiled milk. Farewell, chocolate. Even the thought of eating the once delicious melt-in-your-mouth sweet treat has me wanting to dry heave. Women talk about weird pregnancy food cravings. If only I'd been so lucky to want fried pickles on top of an ice cream sundae. Instead, my baby is deciding to flip me the bird from the inside of my womb by causing all of my favorite foods to no longer be tasty. My pregnancy has been miserable and I still have a good few months to go before this baby rips through my vagina. I shiver in disgust as flashbacks of every terrible childbirthing movie scene races across my mind. Yeah, I'm totally convinced whoever dared to mutter that pregnancy is a beautiful and magnificent thing was possibly some arrogant prick with a dick that never had to carry around what felt like heavy, permanent, continually growing sandbags strapped to the front of their body. The more this parasite grew inside of my body, leeching off of me, the heavier and more awkward I felt. I wasn't a small woman by any means, but I wasn't expecting constant body aches equating to being hit by a train multiple times nor the swelling of my fingers and ankles. Damn, I fucking craved blueberries. I never cared for them before getting knocked up, but now I couldn't get enough of those small, blue, juicy, tart fuckers. I had replaced my Sunday brunch booze cruises with Sunday mornings spent trying to secure the juiciest berries from Pike's Place Market. I have been eating so many damn blueberries, I was expecting to go into labor and pop out a baby smurf. But what I craved more than blueberries was a good, dirty fucking. Pregnancy hormones had sent my libido into a damn tailspin. I wanted to hump every and anything with a pulse. My vibrators weren't even a match for my insatiable sex drive. I needed to invest in additional outlets for all the chargers because my battery-operated boy toys were in a constant dead state. I had gotten to the point of desperation that I'd asked my best friend Imani 
and she thought it'd be tacky if I added dildos and vibrators to the baby registry. I think she was more shocked that the little demure Ari Dominguez, whom she mocked for being the only kid in college with an iron and who went to bed by 9pm, yes, even on Friday nights, owned sex toys than me wanting to add them to my registry. But, of course, she told me, you could take the girl out of Central Falls, but you couldn't take the Central Falls out of the girl. So, I decided against requesting those items, which the thought would have made Ari Dominguez from a year ago cringe. However, I've become the poster child of a Jerry Springer episode, so why not lean into my latest persona? A deep clearing of the throat brings me out of my introspection and back to the conference room of Velvet Vibe. I give a small smile to the older silver fox sitting across the large espresso wooden conference table. It took every ounce of my restraint not to roll my eyes at one of the newest big wigs that held the purse strings to our company. My life just kept getting better and better because bad things in life love to come in threes. Not only did I have to call off my dream wedding because my lying, sleazy fiancé was a man whore armored in morals and values he held everyone to and committed hypocrisy daily like the best-dressed politicians, but I also came back pregnant with two potential baby daddies after one of the best vacations of my life. Amani said it best when she heckled me that only a little Miss Goody Two Shoes would casually hook up with a stranger for the first time in her life and end up knocked up and unsure of the baby's poppy. But my latest dilemma, my career, is now up in the air because of a recent big company buyout of Velvet Vibe. Never ever let one person have that 1% of power in the company. At the time, being young and a few years out of college, I thought it was a great idea to start a company with my two best friends, and it made sense to let the friend putting up the majority of the capital to have 51% while Imani and I split the other 49% two ways. Well, that was the dumbest business mistake of my life, because after the wedding debacle with our primary owner's cousin, she decided to sell the company out from under Imani and me. So, since I had a baby on board that was shackled to me for the next 18 years and then some, I started thinking about giving this Toronto tech company headhunter a holler because my little blueberry smurf growing inside of me deserves stability and security. The big wig's piercing gaze and eyes roaming over my body like I was a delectable meal made my skin crawl. Ugh! My blood boiled every time I thought about that green-eyed snake of an ex-business partner. That entire family was the ugliest and most vile creatures dressed in layers of diamonds and pearls disguised as perfect societal beacons and play pretties. I was and still am the fucking brains behind the development of OnlyFans' fiercest competitor. Velvet Vibe is a website and mobile app for cam girls and sex workers that want a safe and secure space to create an online presence without fear of censorship. As the head software engineer of the Velvet Vibe, it was disheartening to know that the company had sold to one of the biggest and oldest international enterprises, which is, of course, run by men, who knew how they were going to come in and shake up our company. How are we going to convince our content creators to stay on board with Velvet Vibe if the new owners took it too rogue? These were the worries that troubled my mind. (laughs) The only good thing is that they kept me up at night, which kept the childbirthing nightmares at bay. Sex is great when it sells millions, which makes everyone want to be in this business of skin no matter how ass-backwards and antiquated their company's thoughts are about women and sexuality. Plus, I'm sure Mali Enterprises wants to bring in their own people to lead every team. Three women, the brains behind a company giving OnlyFans a run for the money, and these rich pricks' minds that own Mali Enterprises, it is probably just a chance of sheer luck. 
As Amani finishes her presentation about marketing and sales, I take that as my cue to slide my pregnancy flats back onto my painfully aching feet and prepare to deliver my presentation on the technology and roadmap for the upcoming updates for Velvet Vibe. I have been looking forward to this meeting, thinking we were just going to be speaking to new investors. Now, I wasn't overly enthusiastic about giving my ideas to the new owners of this company. I had worked my ass off to become a highly sought after software engineer and Velvet Vibe was my first baby. I clenched my jaw, practically grinding my molars to sawdust as I head to the front of the conference room to present. While presenting, the conference room door opens, causing me to lose my train of thought. Everyone sits up a little bit straighter, the air in the room feeling more intense, and the way in which this man carries himself lets me know he's someone important to everyone in this room. He's probably the person that now signs all of our paychecks and divvies out dividends. Our eyes meet and a spark of electricity passes between us. Had my sex-fevered brain conjured up my sexy hookup from Bali? But he couldn't be THE Cliff from Bali. His sandy blonde hair is no longer shaggy, but styled into a sexy tousled Ivy League haircut. His broad, muscular frame is encased in a designer suit perfectly tailored to fit his frame. Gone is the carefree swagger of my valley cliff, and in his place is the arrogant strut of a captain of industries. I swear I'm losing my mind. This isn't the man I picture touching me as I stroke my clitoris and finger my pussy in the late, dark hours of my lonely bedroom. The gorgeous man's steps falter as his eyes home in on my belly, but he gives me the universal hand gesture to continue as he situates his big body into a vacant chair around the conference table. My confidence falters. I feel out of my depth and not like the tech wits that developed one of the best erotic platforms on the market, but like a Silicon Valley college intern. The more I feel his laser-sharp gaze burning holes into the side of my face, the more I feel as if the air is being sucked out of the room and I'm slowly but surely suffocating. I thank God that I'm the last to speak at the meeting as I bring my presentation to a close. I need to get the fuck out of here and walk myself in my office. Every head in the room swivels to the beautiful man that only recently joined our meeting. Everyone fiddles nervously, waiting for him to speak. Everyone is free to leave, except Miss, uh, Miss, uh, um, the gorgeous man stammers, his cheeks slightly flushing because he doesn't even know my last name. To think. We've seen every inch of each other naked and bared our souls to one another, but we didn't even exchange last names. Hell, we fucked like we were having an Olympic competition of who could provide the other with the most orgasms, and we probably wouldn't have even exchanged first names had we not met in such an awkward circumstance. Dominguez, I respond finishing his sentence and subconsciously rubbing my hand across my throbbing lower back, trying to relieve some of the pain. He nods his head in response while my heartbeat roars to life in my ears. Clearly, he's not a man of many words because he nods his head in dismissal as everyone else stands to escape the suffocating room. Amani gives me a concerned look with a rise of her eyebrow. But I give her a weak smile and she exits the room. Molly, it's always a pleasure to see you, no matter how brief. I hope you can join me and your father for some golf sometime soon. The silver fox greets the man who stars in all my sex fantasies. Molly? What the entire fuck? My world tilts off kilter. The room begins to spin, and I can't catch my breath. 
Another idiotic business mistake I made was never being involved in the actual business operations and financing aspect of Velvet Vibe unless my business partners mandated my appearance. Hence why I have no fucking clue about the faces behind the Mali Enterprises name. The only nugget of knowledge I have is that the company is a multi-billion dollar empire run by Australians similar to the Murdochs. But the oldest son and company's heir name wasn't Cliff. It was Henry or Harry or something that began with an H. After the door to the conference room slams shut, Cliff, or whatever this sexy man's name is, gets up and locks the door. As he walks towards me, his gait has lost its confidence. In the arrogant air of the man who rudely interrupted my presentation earlier, he stops a few feet away from me, placing his trembling hands into the pockets of his designer slacks, trying to gain his withering composure. His eyes roam my body like the first time we met. Only this time, he's cataloging the changes in my body since the last time he saw me naked. The silence between us is deafening, and the distance stretching between us is like the large chasm of the Amazon River. Was this your plan? Cliff asks, eyes not moving from the swell of my midsection, making me stroke my small baby bump protectively. I stare at him in confusion, feeling as if I've missed something important and trying to think back to all of our conversations during our month-long escape from reality. However, my mind is coming up blank. He continues before I can respond, find out where I'd be vacationing, pretend to be on birth control and get pregnant with a Molly offspring. Whack. My hand leaves a stark red palm print that marks his gorgeous face. Shit. I definitely need to reach out to that recruiter after bitch slapping the new owner of Velvet Vibe. My blood is boiling and my pregnancy hormones are raging. Except for the initial snap of his head, Cliff doesn't acknowledge the fact that I smacked him across his face. Instead, he looks at me smugly as if I played right into his trap, making me want to break that perfect nose of his. How fucking dare him? More than anything, his words stung, feeling as if he'd ripped my heart from my chest and sucker punched it. If anyone lied, it was you. What's your name? It's clearly not Cliff. I may not pay a lot of attention to high society or what's going on in the business world, but I know the son and heir of Mali Enterprises and the president of acquisition and mergers name is Henry. I maliciously fling at him, but it doesn't land with the desired effect. His shoulders begin to shake and he laughs at me hysterically. My name isn't fucking Henry, Jesus. No wonder this company was easy to obtain if someone running it didn't even know the names of the faces of the biggest industry leaders. A random ass person on the street usually knows that information. If our kid is a girl, it doesn't need a brain because at least it hit the genetic lottery with you as its mother, Cliff jokes. That charming boyish grin splits across his face, teleporting me back to Bali almost causing me to lose my train of thought. But my mind fixates on his backhanded compliment. This jackass just called me stupid. Un-fucking-believable. Boy or girl, this baby might not be yours. I had a fiance shortly before ending up in a room with you in Bali, you dumbass. Also, what the fuck is your name then? Is it Harry? I angrily question, invading his personal space. One of the many miscalculations on my part was because the glorious scent of bergamot, citrus, and his natural must filled my nostrils, sending a zing of sexual want to my throbbing clitoris. Cliff's furious gaze at the mention of the baby not being his morphed into a hooded glare of desire. He brushes one of the loose wavy tendrils of my hair behind my ear, making my entire body tingle. 
It's Heathcliff. I didn't lie to you. People in the business world call me Heath. And when I want to be anyone but Maui Enterprises, I go by Cliff. You said, might not, by the way. Does that mean you don't know who the father of this kid is? He inquires. But the only thing I can think about is that gorgeous mouth of his licking between my thighs. I was so damn horny. I didn't want to think about the paternity of my baby. I wanted the man who made me come so hard I thought every orgasm would be my demise. I wanted him balls deep in my pussy, stroking my overly sensitive swollen clitoris. I don't know a lot of things, but I know one thing. I want you to fuck my brains out, Cliff. Will you do that? I asked boldly. I had a one-track mind like a horny, horny teenage boy that just got his dick wet for the very first time. The words are barely out of my mouth before his lips slam down on mine. He forces his tongue into my mouth, kissing me like a man about to go to war with uncertainty that he'll make it back unscathed and alive. Damn, I missed this. He kissed me like it was his one true calling in life, fucking my mouth with his tongue while his hands roamed and stroked every curve of me, becoming reacquainted with my body. He pulls away, coming up for air, only for a second, teasing me by sucking on my tongue. He kisses down my throat, a deep groan slipping from his lips as he elicits a moan from me as he massages my breast through my bland black shapeless shift dress. Don't draw this shit out. No games. No teasing. My pussy needs you inside of me hard and fast. I'm so fucking wet for you. I demand, shimmying out of my not-so-sexy maternity briefs, maneuvering my body to a seated position on the espresso wooden conference table, and spreading my legs wide to him. (gasps) Cliff takes a sharp intake of breath, his eyes darkening to a coal black rimmed with a stormy blue as he stares down at my glistening, wet pussy lips. He whispers a string of explicitness as his fingers connect with my arousal that's dripping everywhere because I'm so wet, so horny, and in need of a good, hard dicking down. He swipes his fingers between my folds, circling and stroking the nub between my thighs, coaxing a whimper from the depths of my throat. It's hot as hell to watch him remove his fingers from beneath my dress, glistening with my juices that he slowly licks clean off his fingers. I shudder watching him close his eyes like it's the tastiest thing he's had in days. He quickly undoes his slacks, shoving his boxers down his legs and revealing his big, girthy dick. My mouth waters looking at his amazing dick. I want it in my mouth, but I'm too eager to fill him between my thighs, filling me up and fucking me, fulfilling those fantasies of me on my knees choking on his cock will have to wait to another time. Well, if there is another time. I lean back on my elbows as he props my ankles on his shoulders. He teases my entrance before sliding into home, impelling himself inside of me. I marvel at how full I feel. Nothing beats the real thing. He fits into me hard and fast, swiveling his hips, but something feels off and awkward between us. I let out a frustrated grunt, questioning, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why is there so much hesitation? He pulls out before stuffing me full of his cock, repeating this motion while he seemingly tries to gather his thoughts. Cliff's actions cause me to lose my fucking mind with pleasure. Finally, he holds still, his cock nestled deep inside of me as he awkwardly looms over me. He looks almost embarrassed, 
There's just so much more of you. I don't know where to grab you to keep you from flying across the table as I fuck into you. Plus, is this even a comfortable position for you? Did you just call me fat, dumbass? Also, I'm just fucking pregnant not and not made of glass. Just stop fucking talking and fuck me like we're back in Bali. I loudly whisper, keggling his dick with my pussy and moving my hips. He matches my movement following my rhythm and fucks the shit out of me until I'm deliriously gasping for breath and my pussy has him in a vice grip. He slams his mouth on mine, muffling our screams of pleasure as we come. I push him off of me, using the back of my hand to rub the sweat from my forehead as I try to catch my breath. Cliff composes himself, taking his time getting redressed. Damn, who knew anger-fueled sex could be so delicious? For the first time since being pregnant, my body feels sexually satisfied and not wound too tight from stress. But that shortly lived when Cliff opens the pretty boy mouth of his, shattering the blissful moment to ask, how soon can we learn the paternity of the baby? I stare at him in a daze, unsure if I ever want to know who fathers my child. Hell, I didn't even know my poppy and I had made it through life okay. I let out an annoyed hiss, knowing this gorgeous man in front of me would be relentless in his tactics and pursuit to find out if I were carrying a Molly. I practically jump out of my skin from the shock of the ice-cold ultrasound gel that my OBGYN slathers on my lower abdomen. My mind has been millions of miles away, rehashing the chaos that had ensued this morning, transporting me out of the small, sterile, and intimate patient room and back into my chic and cozy Bellevue apartment. That morning, I hadn't been ready to drag myself out of bed and face the real world because the paternity test results would be in any day now probably faster than expected because Cliff had told the medical office that there was no dollar amount he wouldn't pay or donation he wouldn't make to get a rush put on the test results. Even now, as the doctor set everything up for the ultrasound, I felt myself rolling my eyes at the tactless way in which he tossed his billions around and spoke about money like he cleaned the shit from his ass with $100 bills every single morning. My heartbeat accelerates and my body develops a slight tremor even thinking about the paternity test results. Within a few days of finding out I was pregnant, Imani had thrown herself into heavily researching the earliest stage a paternity test could be conducted, like she was vying to be Mari Povic's successor. I'd known I could get an NIPP during my first trimester, but I had no earthly idea how to contact my cheap folly thrill. Hell, until a few weeks ago, I didn't even know the man's full government name. Then, there was no way in hell I would have opened that can of worms with my ex to ask for a cheek swab sample. Before Cliff had blown back into my life like a cyclone causing irreparable devastation, I had already become content with being a single mother, and I had been raised by a damn good one. Plus, I had experienced enough heartache from rejection and knowing the trauma of feeling like a burden to not want to subject my little blueberry smurf to the harsh reality I had lived as a child. Unfortunately, I had woken to a series of text alerts, this pounding so hard on my front door it would cause any sane person an excruciating migraine and Imani threatening to cut a bitch before the sun had fully risen on the northwest coast. I look over at the man, slowly but surely becoming a rusty tetanus needle in my side, occupying the chair beside my spot on the examination table. 
He does nothing to calm my nerves, making me miss Imani tremendously. She had come to every appointment thus far, but even if I wanted to, there was no denying or barring this man from any future doctor's appointments concerning this baby. He hadn't even given me a chance to look at the paternity results alone or process the myriad of emotions I was feeling about him being my baby's poppy. The man had barged his way through my front door, frantically waving the latest iPhone, showing the undeniable 99.99% probable parentage that my Smurf was part Mally. Cliff, the beautiful Bali distraction, had transformed from a sex-fueled fantasy to Heath, the domineering billionaire asshole reality, who is currently wreaking terror on my life. My blood is still boiling that he had the audacity to weasel his way into my home at the ass crack of dawn with his fast talking demands that I uproot my life because I was now the incubator of the next generation of Mali. As if my life ceased to exist other than making sure his elitist bloodline continued. What a rich fucking self-centered prick. I could barely concentrate on anything my doctor was saying, giving short, curt responses before Cliff could cut me off with his million questions. I furiously cut my eyes in his direction, unwilling to bite back my tongue any longer and eager to give him a piece of my mind. Yet, the sight in front of me tugs the corners of my mouth upward into a slight smile. My billionaire baby daddy sits in a plastic chair in a suit that costs probably a year's worth of rent for my OBGYN's office, completely out of his element, with a notepad in hand, vigorously taking notes. My heart melts a little bit to see the angst causing a red flush across his face. At that moment, my anger dissolves in the blink of an eye, causing my animosity towards him to dissipate. I almost hate that he hadn't been there from the beginning, him probably feeling robbed of those first initial appointments. Cliff unexpectedly grabs my hand when the room fills with a loud whooshing and slow thumping sound of my, or rather our, baby's heartbeat. His beautiful blush-colored pout falls open, his mouth forming an O-shape from the amazement of hearing the sweet melody of the proof of our baby's life. I turn my head to face him, my eyes colliding with the most beautiful cornflower blue eyes. I had never seen his eyes more beautifully bright than at the moment of hearing his child's heartbeat for the very first time. The man is peacock proud, his eyes awash with adoration, wonder, and most importantly, so much love. The level of his excitement causes my eyes to miss, a tear sliding down my cheek as he mumbles almost inaudibly that this is his life's greatest gift. We're at the 18-week mark, and the baby is growing healthy and strong. Do you want to know the baby's sex? My doctor's soothing voice questions, shattering the sweet emotional moment, the lifeline harboring the fragile connection between Cliff and me. I shake my head no as Cliff nods yes. The doctor furrows her perfectly manicured brows. Her face morphs into confusion as she looks between us. Imani will kill me if I find out the sex without her since she's been on this journey with me every step of the way. Not to mention, she's planning on throwing a huge gender reveal party, so she'll be in contact for the results. As see mommy in person having to do all the work for the duration of the pregnancy, I say we wait. I say smiling at the doctor. Cliff's hand slips from mine, his expression going stoic and his eyes void of any emotion. I know that he's fuming inside. I'm sure he's probably enraged because I'm making parenting decisions with someone that's not the child's parent. From a sideways glance of him, Cliff is trying with all his might not to unleash his anger because no matter how many zeros you have in your bank account, it's never a good look to yell at a pregnant lady. 
To soften the blow that I've been parenting this baby with my best friend, I asked the doctor, will you print a sonogram for the baby's poppy? Cliff takes a sharp intake of breath, tenderly stroking my hair away from my face, a broad grin morphing his beautiful features into a more pleasant expression. The doctor busies herself with printing the sonogram, handing it over, and telling us someone will show us out after I get cleaned up within the next 10 minutes. I clumsily sit up trying to not smear the sticky jelly on the waistband on my floral maxi skirt as I reach for the baby wipes to clean away the ultrasound gel from my belly. Cliff is already gently wiping it away from my pregnancy bump. Look, I know I really stressed you out this morning. I apologize. I was overcome with a lot of emotions and I'm used to giving orders and people typically following them with no questions asked. When we were in Bali, you were pretty much game for whatever I threw at you. But I'm starting to realize more and more that was two different sides of us. So please, let me take you to lunch. We really need to discuss our child and how we're going to navigate the situation. Cliff explains as he works, cleaning off the last of the slimy gunk from my stomach and chunking the wipes into the closest trash bin. Cliff, I have to get to work. I can't just... I start to brush him off, but he quickly interrupts me. Easy solution. You're fired. Now... You have no job to keep you from having lunch with me, Cliff states, nonchalantly. I rear my head back, feeling each word like one bitch slap after another to the face. How fucking dare he think he can dictate my life? I give him my sweetest, fakest, and biggest smile. Ha! You're hilarious. You think you can fire me? I'm sure your legal team will disagree, dumbass. You know, since you're firing me without cause, and I'm pregnant. I hope Mali Enterprise enjoys the lawsuit I rained down on it and the media coverage of the discrimination. I counter smugly, lying back down on the exam table and rubbing my temples. Cliff is a force of nature. A beautiful force of nature. But, nevertheless, the endless battles were growing tiresome. A shiver of anticipation rolls down my spine when I feel Cliff's large hand creep up my spaghetti strap top to knead my right breast, working my nipple free from the restraint of my bra and kneading it between his fingers. Damn, these pregnancy hormones. The man could breathe on me, gaze at me, even skull at me, and my body instantaneously ignited with lust. I whimpered under his skillful touch as he toyed with my nipple that was so hard and so erect. It didn't take long for the ribbons of desire to course through my veins, turning my body hot, causing it to flush with arousal. My skin prickles with goosebumps when I feel his hot, wet breath in my ear while his hand pushes his way down the top of my maxi skirt. You have to do more than a few empty threats, sweet cheeks. I can play hardball with some of the hardest executives and still hold my own. Look, I know you want to hear that I'm disappointed and angry that you're having my baby. Probably because it better fits your self-deprecating narrative that plays on repeat in a constant loop in your head. If I'm being honest with you, which I rarely shy away from hard truths, even if you hadn't told me you were on birth control, nothing would have stopped me from being balls deep inside of your sweet pussy as I tasted every inch of this gorgeous body of yours. I would have talked you into letting me fuck you with no barrier between us. Nothing feels better than your hot, wet, tight pussy clamping down around my dick. He whispers against my ear, one hand plucking at my nipple while the other gently strokes the outline of my pussy through my panties, causing me to dampen the seat of them. Cliff, I start, but he cuts me off with a slow, passionate kiss, tangling our tongues together, kissing me slow and reverently, teasing a whimper from my throat. Call my behavior reckless, gorgeous. 
People will say I'm too old to not give a fuck about the ramifications of fucking without a rubber, but this sinful body of yours will have any man losing his fucking mind. This may come as a shock to you, but I'm fucking thrilled to be having this baby, especially with a sweet, brilliant woman like you as his or her mother. Also, believe me when I say, nothing and no one will get between me and my child, Ari. He whispers sweet words laced with the venomous veiled threat into my ear. Cliff gently bites on my earlobe as a detour to licking his way down my neck into my tits that he's exposed. His fingers have slid into my hot, wet pussy, thumbing circular motions around my engorged clit while he fucks me deliciously slow with three fingers. In a matter of seconds, I feel myself close to orgasm, but he snatches his fingers away when he feels me begin to tighten around his hand. I can have you coming on my tongue and fingers within the next two minutes. However, that's your choice to make. Or I could work you over and not let you finish. He wraps, slapping my clitoris, causing my core to tighten around emptiness. I needed to come desperately. With the way he ran his tongue over the tops of my breasts and the column on my throat to his lazy strokes on my pussy. Cliff continues his barter. All you have to do is agree to lunch. What's my good girl willing to do to finish? Before I can respond, he hikes up my skirt, shows my panties to the side, and I nearly jackknife off the exam table when he gives me one slow slick from my perineum to the top of my mouth, stopping at the erect bud between my thighs to give it an intense few suckles. My vision blurs. I see black dots and I eagerly agree. I hold him by his blonde hair to my pussy as he fucks me simultaneously with his tongue and mouth until I'm a withering mess. I fling my forearm over my mouth to muffle the intense orgasm that rips through my body as Cliff eagerly laps up my release. I lay limp and weak on the table, afraid if I try to stand up, I'll just crumble to the ground. Damn, Mr. Heathcliff Malley did not play fair. By the end of this pregnancy, I will have agreed to all of his demands. As Cliff took my hand smiling down at me as we exited the exam room, all I could think about was how much trouble I am in if I couldn't get my raging libido under control. How did my life get here? I've been asking myself this question since a few weeks ago when I allowed Cliff to talk me into moving in with him. I mean, I couldn't complain. The man lived in a luxurious, almost 12,000 square foot Medina, Washington sprawling mansion with a beautiful view of Lake Washington. In the words of Little Wayne, the man had 10 bathrooms, so if I wanted to, I could shit all day. The house was astounding. I had been living in it for a month, and if I made a wrong turn, I still ended up lost, as if I were navigating the most difficult labyrinth. Cliff had live-in staff, so I didn't have to lift a finger. I had access to concierge medical personnel, and he had a professional chef, so why did we ever need to venture out to restaurants? While I understood that my blueberry smurf would own all of this and so much more one day, as a Dominican chica from Central Falls, Rhode Island, I couldn't help but feel like I didn't belong. The more Heathcliff Mali, Australian billionaire and heir to Mali Enterprises tried to indoctrinate me into his elitist life, the more I felt myself becoming lost to the world of the rich and famous. Hell, this man had fucking dated models, actresses, and every type of celebrity imaginable. <laughs> we were not one in the same. I saw the looks, heard the whispers, and any time he paraded me around events, I hoped and prayed the floor would open up and swallow me whole. 
that's why my gender reveal slash baby shower that started off as a simple bows and bow ties themed brunch thrown by Imani had turned into an all-out great gatsby themed soiree with fucking champagne towers, burlesque dancers, wagyu, lobster, and exotic stations of food I couldn't even pronounce. Unfortunately, my baby daddy's big mouth kid sister had let it slip that I was having a baby shower brunch and their monster of a mother was appalled by the idea. I could still hear her now reading us her lengthy ride act and pissing all over Imani's plans. Apparently, a Mali baby deserved the best party of the year, even from the womb. So, here I was, hiding in the spectacular solarium of the estate, watching the party unfold from afar. Damn, when did I become such a coward? Or maybe my fight had just slowly but surely started to die out. Gone was my fiery Latina attitude and in its place was a shell of the woman I once looked in the mirror and admired. Not to mention, I fucking hated Cliff's snooty mother. I was to JLo to her Jane Funda, but by no means did I think I could bring her down a notch like JLo managed to in Monster-in-Law. Because unlike Jane Fonda's character, this woman was a well-bred elitist herself that had a tactical marriage to the Mali family. When Cliff's dad and two younger brothers met me, they winked and slapped him on the back for landing someone so gorgeous. But his mother looked at me like Central Falls dog shit, as my cousin would remind me. I couldn't wait for this stupid party to end. I felt a heavy weight settle in the pit of my stomach. Would this become my life as the mother of the Mali heir? A background fixture. A pathetic wallflower with an echo of existence? I had been hiding for well over an hour and the guest of honor snuggled in my womb, yet no one noticed my missing presence. Ah, here you are, sweet cheeks. Cliff's baritone voice boomed as he walked towards me through the open French doors of the solarium. My baby's poppy was both sinful and sexy, looking extremely dapper and absolutely delectable in his tuxedo. How fucking ridiculous, right? Who the fuck had a black tie and cocktail dress coat for a fucking gender reveal slash baby shower? Cliff leans down, greeting me with a kiss on my forehead, reminding me I wasn't alone in his mother's false illusion that she was overly enthused about having her first grandchild. However, <laughs> I knew the truth. The woman is pissed as hell that the apple of her eye has turned into a prodigal son she wishes she could shun because he knocked up a girl from the wrong zip code out of wedlock. Cliff's mother niggled at my trauma that's not buried deep enough, ripping off the scabs of shame that I was pregnant and cohabitating with a man I barely knew. My abuelita is probably turning over in her grave. I remember her saying when my mom got pregnant with me as a teen, there weren't enough candles in the Catholic church to light. I'm brought back to this moment in time by Cliff nibbling on my ear. I let out a small giggle, pulling away from his warm breath that's tickling my neck. Staring into those gorgeous eyes, I knew I was in love with Heathcliff Mally. I didn't even care if he never loved me. I enjoyed every moment with him, even the shitty ones. Also, the way in which he was, without a doubt, head over heels in love with our baby would make any woman fall for a gorgeous man like him. My ex-fiance did me a favor. It was a shitty favor, but without his lying, cheating antics, I'd never been able to experience true love. Even though we grew up worlds apart, it's like my soul called out to Cliff's. We never shared awkward moments. We practically finished each other's sentences, and even in Bali, I always felt most at home in the comfort of Cliff's arms. How coincidental is it for fate to bring the same person in your life twice in uncontrived circumstances? I want to taste your cock, I blurt out, 
sinking to my knees off the posh patio daybed. Cliff smirks at me, knowing damn well he has turned me into quite the exhibitionist. Cliff and I fucked a lot. We could barely keep our hands off each other. I'd fucked him more times than I could count, and the majority of times were somewhere public. I freed his thick bulge from his tuxedo pants, his huge dick springing free and swelling to full mass as I licked my lips. I caught the pre-cum dribbling from the tip of my manhood, using it to lubricate his shaft and head as I stroked him tightly in my closed fist. I swirled the spit around in my mouth, holding his gaze as I slowly let my saliva dribble out of my mouth to coat his cock. I ran my fist up and down his shaft in a circular motion while placing his balls into my mouth and sucking them. Cliff's big body shudders, his eyes rolling to the back of his head, making me feel like the fucking woman because I knew how to bring my man pleasure. I let go of his balls with a loud pop, licking the seam of his balls all the way to the head of his dick, running my tongue over every ridge of his shaft, and paying special attention to every vein. I sucked the dark red head of his dick into my mouth, rolling my tongue around the underside of the tip until he tosses his head with a I give his frenulum short, quick licks before maneuvering his dick to the back of my throat. I slowly lick my way back up to the tip, sucking him hard, fast, deep, making sure to use lots and lots of tongue. I swallow his dick down my throat, switching up pace and tempo while toying with his balls. As I gobble his dick down my throat fast and hard, making sure to swirl my tongue around the underside of the tip, I feel his balls begin to draw up, practically slapping me in my chin. His dick twitches in my mouth and I hear a loud female gasp as the first round of semen hits the back of my throat. Ah, fuck, fuck, mother? Cliff yells across between grunts of pleasure, Revulsion and panic is reflecting in his tone. I swallow a mouthful of his cum as his dick deflates quickly in my mouth. I awkwardly stay hunched over with my baby daddy's limp dick in my mouth. I don't know if it's the discomfort from sitting on my knees, being six months pregnant, a freeze response, a humiliation, or a combination of both. Cliff gently maneuvers his dick out of my mouth, quickly redressing and pulling me to my feet from underneath my armpits. Well, not only can I never look Mrs. Mally in the eyes again, but I've also added just another reason to her list to hate me. I'm sure she's scarred for life. It's not every day you see your son's dick down a woman's throat. Hell, I'm scarred for life. Blowjobs between Cliff and I will never be the same possibly forever tainted by this unfortunate incident. I need a word with my son alone. Ari, go get cleaned up. I can't have you looking like a night walker and ruining the photos, his mother barks. I scurry out of the room, more than happy to leave Cliff alone to fill his certifiable, stick-up-the-ass mother's wrath. I march as quickly as possible across the grass, spotting Imani, laughing hysterically when I fall into her embrace. Imani gives me a puzzled look. I catch her up on the most mortifying experience of my life. We laugh like a pack of hyenas until Cliff's youngest sister flounces our way, informing me to grab Cliff because it's almost time for the ginger reel event. I rush back to the solarium doors that his mother slammed shut when I hurried out of the room. But one of the doors didn't fully shut, so I can hear the shouting and tension of their conversation a few feet away. When we sent you away to relax, we didn't mean for you to lose your fucking mind and commit all types of disgraces and debauchery on the family's good name. I tried to convince you to make amends with Winnie and take her on the trip with you. That way, we wouldn't be in this mess. Surely you don't love that woman. Honestly, he Cliff, she's trash and doesn't fit into our world. Cliff's mother sees. I freeze awkwardly with my hand around the door handle, holding my breath, 
dying to hear his response and hoping to hear the reciprocity I desperately crave. Cliff's hesitation feels like an eternity. Finally, he guffaws. <laughs> what? Why would you ask me that? You told me to handle it and I'm handling the situation. I feel my shoulders deflate, my heart dropping to my stomach because it wasn't a yes or no, but it hurt that he didn't even defend me. Now, he had me curious if he only defended me in my presence to save face. Did Cliff see me as Central Falls trash too? I don't know why you're so obsessed with that girl and her bastard. Winnie is supposed to be your wife and the mother of your children. You should have let me handle it. I'm from a legal dynasty. I was a high-profile defense attorney for years. I could have called in favors. No one would have been none the wiser had that girl disappeared. His mother bites out, causing me to tremble, protectively cupping my baby bump. I'm not letting you kill Ari because she got pregnant. Definitely not killing my kid. You wanted this to go away silently. We as a family agreed. We didn't want a bastard to come to find us years later, stirring up scandal and fighting for their place on the throne. Ari is intelligent, so my kid will be too. I'm sure of it. I chose not to fight her for custody in court and draw media attention. My plan takes time. I didn't know her, so I'm having to get to know her. Lure her into a false sense of security and then find a way to gather evidence so she'll be seen as an unfit mother and I'll gain full custody and she'll beg for us to pay her to go away. The private investigator couldn't dig up anything on her. The girl is clean as a whistle. Her moving into my home and her developing postpartum or thinking she has it once the baby is born is a solid plan that will guarantee me my child without a nasty court battle. Women are child's play. She has daddy issues and is self-deprecating. I can easily worm myself into her mind and love bomb my way into full paternal rights. Cliss responds callously, I'm stunned. My vision blurs and I turn and walk back towards the party. The great Gatsby-themed baby shower and gender reveal was quite fitting. Hell, it was poetic. Because like Daisy Buchanan had hope for her daughter, I had been a beautiful little fool for these rich men that weaseled their way into my life. Except, the only difference is that my foolishness didn't keep me from getting hurt. I had fallen in love with a rich prick pretty boy that was no better than my ex-fiance. He may even be the greater of the two evils. I feel more humiliated than anything else. Sometimes I wonder if I was paying for the sins of being a terrible person in a past life. Or worse, I had the unfortunate luck of paying for the sins of a father that deserted me. I couldn't ponder too much on the conversation that I overheard between Heathcliff Malley and his demonic fucking mother. You're next level evil if you're willing to murder a pregnant woman to cover all your bases of a potential inconvenience or have the drive to protect your public image by any means necessary. But Heathcliff's betrayal was fucking awful. I thought the man at least liked me somewhat, but everything was smoke screens and grander illusions with him. I am still baffled trying to figure out who the fuck is the real Heathcliff Malley? The cliff I met in Bali, carefree, laid back and adventurous, was a completely different person than Heathcliff, the stranger who wanted to prey on my insecurities, willing to take me to the lowest point possible in my life because only what he wanted mattered and I was a blemish on his perfect life plan that he felt he needed to handle. Per usual, Amani grabs my hand in a death grip as the plane ascends into the air. My best friend is more terrified of flying than anything else. I should have never deviated from our original plan. It would have cost me my child as collateral damage 
of learning to always go with my intuition, even if it were at odds with my heart's desires. When the plane is finally in the cruise phase of the flight, Amani is able to relax. At least it'd only be a 90-minute flight to Toronto where Amani and I could reinvent our lives. We had lost our company and there was nothing keeping us in Washington. My biggest regret was missing Heathcliff's reaction when he realized he'd been out-schemed by Central Falls trash since women were child's play. I smiled to myself thinking about how I carried on with the ruse that everything was business as usual at the gender reveal. I confided in Imani about the conversation I had heard and we quickly put our plan into action in a matter of a few hours. Heathcliff would be waking up with me gone, but I'd be the least of his problems because the news would break that he may have gotten a girl or two pregnant in high school. That conveniently went missing. Amani had a few reporter friends always willing to chase down a lead and many people were willing to talk for the right price. The way Mrs. Malley was so comfortable about ending my life, it made me wonder if she had done it before. I know he and his family would hunt me down relentlessly, especially since only a few hours earlier, blue fireworks had shot in the sky, letting us know that baby Malley was the favorable sex for the majority of old money dynasties. My blueberry smurf was a boy, and I do everything in my power to protect him from the cruelties of the world, especially his father, the cruelest one of them all. I just had to find a way to always stay one foot ahead of Heathcliff Malley. Um, wow, this wild and sexy love story took quite the turn. I wonder, listeners, Who's going to get the last laugh when it comes to the declaration of war that's just happened between Ari and Cliff? How long do you think Ari and Imani will last on the run from one of the most powerful and richest families? If you want a continuation of the story, be sure to join my Patreon for exclusive voting rights. Don't be afraid to follow me on Instagram at Lala's Bedtime Tales and slide in my DMs and let me know your thoughts on Lala's Bedtime Tales podcast. Until next time, (laughs) ta-ta for now. Oh, so hot and sexy bedtime stories from Lala's Bedtime Thanks for tuning in to this week's Erotic Tale. For more erotic stories, sex tips, love advice, and sexual education, check out lalasbedtimetales.com and add me on Instagram for more erotic and sensual content at lalasbedtimetales. Please comment and share your fave sexy bedtime stories with erotica enthusiasts like you and me. Ta-ta until next time, sexies. <laughs>